this is Tony Blazer for the Motocross Vault presented by Blinzall. If you're in the market for some high-quality racing oil for your two-stroke or four, make sure you go to Blinzall.com and use our discount code VAULT20 to save 20% at checkout. Thank you for all the support. Welcome back to the Motocross Vault. My name is Tony Blazer, and what this video is going to cover is a look back at Honda's all-new 1986 CR80R. Honda had a pretty rough start in the 80 class. They came out with a new machine in 1980 that turned out to be, you know, pretty unrefined package. It was plenty fast, but the handling suspension just weren't really up to speed. They had a couple of better offerings in the early 80s, but none of them were really up to topping the class. Yamaha and Kawasaki definitely had them covered in this earlier era, and it wasn't really until 1986 that Honda kind of went to the front 86 hondas across the board the 125 500 250 and the 80 were all great that year and here this year honda came out with an all-new motor that really propelled the cr80 to one of the best machines in the class it was a rocket i don't know if you ever had the chance to ride one of these bikes they were crazy fast i mean i was uh i was 18 i guess maybe when i first rode a cr80 a buddy of mine had a brand new 88 and I was a full-size person at that point, and I couldn't believe how fast the thing was. I never had minis when I was a kid. Uh, my parents were not into motorcycles, so I never had a mini personally. Um, I'd bum rides on friends and that stuff, but I had never ridden anything like that before, and I just couldn't believe how fast the damn thing was. I, at the time, I thought the thing, the bike was felt faster to me than my CR125, which was pretty mind-blowing. It was a little sketchy, though, but you know, to me at least, the suspension you know, being a full-size person was way too soft and the wheelbase was so short, so it was kind of hard to control it. I remember thinking, you know, how fast the bike felt to me, what it must have felt like to somebody who was like 80 pounds or 60 pounds or whatever the kids were at the time. It must have felt like a CR500. So these bikes were just blazing fast machines. And here in 1986, Honda really came out with the, the motor of doom and it really propelled that CR80, really the basic same motor stayed in the Honda's 80 up until the uh, four strokes came out when they came out with the CRF150. They never did add a power valve to it after 86. The same basic motor just went on. That's how, how strong this motor was with some minor tweaks that went on for two decades, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Really a really powerful machine this year. I love the looks of these bikes too. The 80s were a great time for Hondas. The CRs were good looking machines. And here in 86, they really uh, knocked it out of the park across the board pretty much with every machine. If you like this sort of thing, I have done a retrospective on the complete history of the CR80, the CR250, several other machines. I just came out with one on the uh, Suzuki RM500s, uh, 465s, and the history of how they developed over time. So if you like this sort of thing, make sure you check out some of the other videos I've done. If you'd like to support the Motocross Vault, I just came out with some new Motocross Vault merch. I had somebody actually request. I do one based on the uh, Quadzilla, which was the 500cc uh, ATV that Suzuki produced in the late 80s. Never had a chance to ride one of these bikes. I think the motor was based on like a dual sport machine in Europe. I don't think it was an actual rocket. It certainly wasn't certainly uh, anywhere nearly as fast as like a CR500 or something. But uh, I remember a buddy of mine had one and I never did get a chance to ride it. But it always looked cool. The thing looked massive too. It was just a huge quad, and I was, was fascinated by it, but I never did get a chance to ride it. I definitely would like to check one of these out. So if you like this sort of thing, make sure you check out some of the other designs I've done. I've done all kinds of designs on the website, uh, and you can find the link to my Teespring store in the description below, and also put a card here in the video. So here, without further ado, is a look back at Honda's 1986 CR80R. In 1972, Honda unveiled its first true off-road racer, the revolutionary 1973 XR75. Light, fast for its class and time, and incredibly capable, the little XR set new standards for quality and competence in the Mini class. While the XR's performance was quickly eclipsed by lighter and faster two-stroke Minis, 
It's continued in Honda's lineup for decades as a milder and more forgiving alternative to the high-strung two-stroke racers of its time. In 1980, Honda finally decided to up the ante in its mini-class performance by introducing an all-new high-performance two-stroke of its own, the all-new CR80R Elsinore. Looking for all the world like a 5.8 scale CR250, the new 80 screamed performance with its big-boy styling and fire-red engine. While it proved incredibly fast, the new Elsinore's grim suspension and spooky handling held it back as a serious mini-contender. In 1982, Honda added a monoshock and all-new styling, but continued to lag behind the best minis in the class. One year the CR80 was fast and handled poorly, the next it handled well but was slow. Liquid cooling in 1983 and an all-new ATAC or Automatic Torque Amplification Chamber exhaust device in 84 pumped up the trick quotient, but did very little to actually put the CR at the front. On the track, it was pretty to look at, but no match for Kawasaki's omnipotent KX80. For 1985, Honda dialed up yet another redesign of their mini-class missile. The fourth all-new CR-80R in as many years, the new bike featured a revised power plant which still used the ATAC, a new frame, sleeker styling, and updated suspension. While the new chassis finally got the handling right, the rest of the bike continued to lag behind the class-leading Kawasaki. The promised torque boost of the ATAC never really materialized, and the CR required a go-for-broke approach that most mini-pilots could not muster. Compared to the Yamaha and Kawasaki 80s, the peaky Honda was both slower and harder to ride. After five years of playing second, third, and fourth fiddle in the 80 division, Honda finally was ready to get serious about the Mini class in 1986. Using the existing 85 package as a base, Big Red massaged, tweaked, and upgraded nearly every feature on the CR80R. Gone was the dubiously effective ATAC motor to be replaced with a simpler and more compact design. Both the frame and bodywork remained largely unchanged, but small updates to both enhanced the handling and improved the ergonomics. Lastly, suspension updates and the addition of a front disc brake made charging hard and going in deep easier than ever. On the surface, it looked to be the same old CR, but on the track, it was a whole new type of Honda Mini. Of all the upgrades made to the Honda Mini Cycle in 1986, by far the most impactful was the installation of its all-new 82.9cc motor. In 84 and 85, the CR-80R had used a version of the variable exhaust device found on the larger CR-125 and CR-250. The ATAC used a small resonance chamber connected to the exhaust port to increase head pipe volume at low RPMs. This was in turn supposed to boost torque and afford a wider overall power band. While these resonance chambers have proven effective in boosting torque when used in conjunction with a variable exhaust port, as in Kawasaki's Kips and pretty much every other modern two-stroke power valve design, its application as a standalone feature never really yielded Honda very impressive results. For 1986, Big Red made the bold decision to ditch the ATAC completely and go back to a less complicated cylinder design. Housed in all new cases, the redesigned motor shared virtually nothing with the outgoing motor. In the bottom end, a new crank was installed and bolted to a 6mm longer connecting rod. That in turn was mated to an all new single ring piston, down from two rings in 1985, and installed in a totally redesigned cylinder. The new cylinder deleted the ATAC completely and featured Honda's first usage of a new material called Nicosil for the bore. Originally introduced by Mall in 1967, Nicosil consisted of a special coating of silicon carbide that was dissolved in nickel and plated to the inside of the aluminum cylinder bore. Because it was thinner, harder, and slipperier than a steel bore, Nicosil offered better heat transfer characteristics, less friction, and improved sealing. It also allowed the engineers to run tighter tolerances within the motor because the cylinder and piston expanded at a more consistent rate. Internally, the new motor featured a 3mm increase in overall displacement over 85 and slightly more compression. 
The carburetor remained a 28mm round slide Cahine, but an all-new airbox, airboot, and reed valve fed air and fuel into the motor. Handling exhaust duties were an all-new expansion chamber and an old-school steel silencer. The transmission remained a 6-speed, but both the gears and clutch were lighter for 86, with improved action through the use of new plate material and revised bearings. On the track, the result of all this hard work was the 80cc Motor of Doom in 1986. Unlike the Mellow 85, the 86 version barked out of the hole and ripped through its power band. Once in the mid-range, the CR really caught fire and pulled like a Minuteman missile into a shrieking top-end hook. On the dyno, it pumped out an eye-opening 4 horsepower more than 85, which on a machine that was putting out just shy of 19 horsepower was an incredible difference. The power was both broad and blazing fast. The YZ and RM could match it off the bottom, and the KX could hang with it on top, but none of them could match its combination of outright power and ease of use. On the handling front, the CR continued to be a shredder in the turns and only slightly spooky at speed. The 86 chassis maintained the geometry of 85, but offered beefed up mounts for the motor and ProLink rear suspension. The riding position was also slightly altered, with a reshaped seat and 6mm more room between the foot pegs and saddle. Size-wise, this put it somewhere between the smallish YZ and the larger KX. The bodywork itself was slim, trim, and at a seat height of 32 inches, the CR could accommodate most riders below 5'7 comfortably. While the motor romped and the handling soared, the one area that did not make major strides for 86 was suspension. Up front, the Honda continued to use a set of 33mm damper rod style Showa forks that provided 10.2 inches of travel and no external adjustments for damping. Even by 1986 standards, these were small, with Suzuki and Kawasaki already moving on to more substantial 35mm tubes on their machines. On the track, they were soft and underdamped for anyone of larger size or reasonable talent. Large jumps easily bottomed them out, and substantial fork flex could be felt with aggressive riding. Out back, the story was slightly better, with an all-new shock that featured adjustments for both compression and rebound damping. Like the forks, the ProLink shock was set up on the light side, and hard charging resulted in white knuckles and a puckered fanny. Big jumps bottomed it out, and large whoops sent the shock into a pogo motion as the damping tried to keep up. This seesaw action of the forks and shock was really the chink in the armor of the 86CR. If you got the suspension sorted out, the Honda was an excellent handler, but in stock condition, the bike could be a handful in the rough. In the detailing department, the CR was excellent for its time. The plastic quality and fitment were the class of the field, and everything from bolt quality to fastener selection was top-notch. The comfort of the seat, strength of the bars, and malleability of the control levers were all a cut above anything else in the class. Maintenance was also a breeze, with easy access to the carburetor, airbox, and shock via a removable rear subframe, which many full-size bikes still lacked in 1986. While 90% of the new CR was a big improvement, some nagging disappointments did continue. Up front, the addition of an excellent new front disc brake only served to highlight the underwhelming performance of the CR's rear drum. Once it became hot, it became a squeaky and grabby annoyance. While reliability and durability are generally thought to be Honda virtues, the new CR80R did prove less indestructible than its full-size relatives. Piston and ring life was pretty disappointing, and the CR got ratty feeling pretty quickly if you did not keep up with the maintenance religiously. The new Nicosil cylinder was also non-borable, so if you did not keep up with filter maintenance and suck some dirt into the motor, you were probably going to have to pop for an all-new cylinder. Topping off the bummers was the CR's 70-Zero steel silencer, which was ugly and far too loud. In 1986, Honda turned around a half-decade of mediocrity in the Mini Division by kicking out the jams and delivering a CR-80R that was faster than many other brands' 125s. 
While the new 80 lacked the suspension finesse of some of its competition, it made up for it with a motor that barked like no Mini ever had before. Three years later, the arrival of Suzuki's power valve-equipped RM80 would finally eclipse its performance, but in 1986, nothing was as broad, brawny, or burly as Honda's Mini-class missile. In a division defined by motor performance, that was more than enough to make the CR80R the best Mini of 1986. So there you have it. Let's look back at the 1986 CR80R, a machine that really set Honda going towards the trajectory of being one of the best machines in the class, at least for a few years there. The suspension definitely was not up to snuff. Seems like any of these CR80Rs, really until maybe 1996, were kind of a step behind. In 96, they paired this basic 86 motor with a much more capable chassis and really propelled the CR to being a much more competitive machine. I think, you know, because... Motors are so important in the ADCC division. I think a lot of people were more than willing to spend a little money to get the suspension upgraded to deal with the having the fastest motor in the class. It was probably a strong advantage in terms of that. Usually easier to get um, the suspension to work than it is to get the motor to be fast and reliable. And these Hondas definitely had the horsepower part figured out. The rest of it was maybe a little bit, <laughs> a little bit sketchy. Uh, but in any case, if you like this sort of thing, make sure you check out uh, some of the other videos I've done. I've done all kinds of retrospectives, all kinds of uh, classic reviews on many, many different motorcycles. And if you could share, uh, subscribe and uh, put it out on social media I would very much appreciate helping grow the channel so until we meet again this is Tony Blazer from the Motocross Vault keep the rubber side down peace uh -huh.